You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're talking Francis Bernard. Breaking down some fall camp as we get set for the season to begin. And I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Welcome back, Ute Nation. And Scott. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Can't believe we're a little over two weeks out from opening night. I wasn't Can't even come sure soon se- enough. security was going to let me in. I didn't have a clear bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got my clear bag already. I'm set and ready to go. You just buy like a does package zip, of Ziploc. That's what I said. Does Ziploc count? <laughs> Amazon. So yes, remember this coming season. And in fact, at FanFest, you have to have a clear bag or a small. At FanFest uh, too? Yeah, FanFest. Yeah. Anything moving anything. forward. So it's got to be what, a, a clear bag or a small satchel. Is that what it's called? Or a little purse that Scott carries or, around? Or like a, a <laughs> clear fanny pack. Clear fanny I pack? just usually carry everything in my pocket, so I'm just going with clear shorts. <laughs> Everyone's bags are going to look like TSA x-rays as they go through. <laughs> well, chances are security still won't catch anything. So I'm not sure it's going to matter. I just hope that the lines move a lot faster because I hate standing in the parking lot and get hit by cars while you're trying to funnel through there. I heard you have to stand sideways and put your hands over your head as you go through. <laughs> it's good to be back, Rysecles. <laughs> it's good to be back. All right, so the big news, Francis Bernard joins the team. I, everyone knew this was bound to happen for a few months now. BYU fans weren't sure. <laughs> Honestly, what... I mean, I have my thoughts about it, but let's go to you guys. What were your initial thoughts? What do you think will happen now that Bernard's on the team? I think we'll just win titles. <laughs> He's obviously supplanting well, I mean, Chase Hansen. We, I mean, we got <laughs> we got one of BYU's greatest weapons. So I, at this point, you know, what stops us? No, I I I think it's it's a good addition for the fact that it it, it adds depth to the linebacker position. Um, you know, Bryant Pirtle just recently uh, passed his JUCO class to to qualify and and make it in too. So, the linebacking core has definitely gotten a boost, and uh, I, I'm interested to see how long it takes. Because is he going to be ready for game one? Not that we really need anybody to be really ready for game one, but don't sell Weber short. They lost their they lost their. Uh, they're coached down to BYU, so they're just done too. So they're number eight in the FCS. No, no, they'll be good, but um, they could I'm be the second best kidding. team in the state. No, Jay Hill, <laughs> Jay Hill, uh, he's got Weber going. So it'll be a good, it'll be a good opener, hopefully for about a f- the first half. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how long it's going to take Bernard to get ready and get up to speed. And and as Scally alluded to, was it just yesterday? that uh, they're anxious to get him up on the chalkboard and see if he knows his assignments and can uh, and can pick up the defense. Because linebacker, I mean, we, we've seen it countless times with J.C. linebackers that come into the program. It's probably one of the more difficult positions on the defense to learn all, your, all the responsibilities that come with it. And so, granted, he played for Sataki 
Um, so similar type defense, just a lot less talented. So it'll be interesting to see if he can adapt that and uh, and uh, and pick it up and, and be ready to go. I think it's huge for the depth. I mean, I think we sat around this table back when we were talking spring spring practices, talking about how we were a little worried about the depth at linebacker. Um, we we anticipated them moving Chase Hansen to linebacker, which was big and needed, but we weren't sure how good Cody Barton was going to be. Um, Donovan Thompson had started or played in a few games, but that's pretty much all we knew. And now, listening to what's going on in camp, they're playing really well. Cody Barton's playing apparently out of his out of his head, according to some people that on on the radio. But then you add Bernard. I think that's just we're way ahead of where we thought we'd be at this point. Bernard, obviously, fact that you fans know him. The state of Utah knows him, having played at BYU. You know, he's kind of, he's the one that's grabbed the attention and the headlines. But I'm really anxious to see Bryant Pirtle. He was very highly recruited. I had offers to, you know, the Oklahomas, Nebraskas, um, USC, if I'm not mistaken, a number of really high-profile programs. And uh, so to get him, that was a coup um, on signing day to be able to, to bring him in. And uh, so... Bernard is a great addition, but I, I, I think with what we have, the amount of talent, I mean, we're not even talking, yeah, we've barely even talked about Donovan Thompson, who's returning with experience, Cody Barton. Devin but Lloyd. By all accounts, Barton has really stepped up in leadership and uh, calling the calling the defense and, and making calls and signals. And, and yeah, and then you've got young guys like uh, Devin Lloyd, who's just going to be an absolute monster. I'm not sure how many reps he's going to get this year, but, I mean, he's got the size and uh, the athleticism to, to be pretty special here. You know, and and you still have – we still have Hart. We're not even talking about Hart, who's been in the program for a number of years, switched over from defensive end. So a lot of talent at the linebacker position that are going to play behind a lot of talent at the defensive line, who is playing in front of a lot of talent in the secondary. So – this defense could be scary good. Yeah, you're right. I think it can be scary good. And I think just to kind of double back on the we're talking about the depth, you never know. And is from what we've seen thus far with Chase Hansen, he hasn't had one season yet where he's stayed healthy. And football's a rough sport. He's probably one of some of these guys. Hopefully not him, but some of these guys are. Or inevitably going to get hurt, so you need that depth, and I think getting Bernard is just huge in that regard, especially to get someone that has Division One experience oh, yeah. mm-hmm. with that depth. So one thing I, I know I've seen a lot on social media and in uh, local newspapers and whatnot is the whole idea of Bernard not playing since 2016 and having been removed from the BYU program because of off-field issues. I know I have my thoughts on those, and I'll get to those, but I don't hear what you guys, do you guys have any concern about what those off-field issues with Bernard and also not playing football for a year? I don't really. Um, I mean, you see guys go on missions for two years, don't work out, you know, and they're not around the game and they come back and are able to adjust pretty quickly. I mean, he's he's been away. I mean, it's essentially kind of a redshirt year for him. Um, obviously, he's had to deal with a lot of off-the-field issues, and as far as I'm concerned, 
Um, Kyle Whittingham said it perfectly. He's we are not going to adapt to him. He's going to adapt to us. And Kyle's Kyle's had these opportunities. I mean, Darren Carrington last year, he came to Utah because of an off the field issue, and uh, by all accounts, was a good boy and uh, kept his nose clean. And and Kyle's got a track record of that. I mean, you 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 look across the across the board at guys who have had some trouble, and Kyle gives them an opportunity and lays out a pretty structured expectation of of what's required of them once they come but, and join but, the program. But, but your core values, yeah, no DUIs <laughs> while at Utah. So let me say this about Kyle Winning. I think with Utah and recruiting, they kind of have to play that card, right? Of getting these. And not just only Francis Bernard, but you brought up Darren Carrington, guys that maybe get kicked out of a program like a Bronson Boyd. I think Utah kind of has to play that card. Um, I think it fits them with their recruiting style. And I mean, obviously there was a player, I don't feel comfortable saying his name on the podcast, but we know who he is um, here, who had some issues. And uh, he was in the program, had some issues. Ryan, Ryan took a year off from podcasting because of some <laughs> off-the-field issues, and we brought him back. So yeah, I really appreciate it. So Winningham, it you know, he laid out a plan, and he had to go to counseling. He had to go to through anger management courses, and he had to have all these other things lined up and signed off before Winningham would even let him back into the program. Well, so it's not like this free pass no. where if you get kicked out of somewhere that, oh, come, come to Utah. It, it doesn't matter what you did. Darren Carrington's another perfect example. He came in and he had responsibilities. He had requirements that he had to meet to stay within the program. And Utah's doing it well. Whittingham's doing it well. He knows what he's doing. These guys who who make these agreements to come play for Utah after certain situations, they know if they screw up, they're done. If they want a football career, they know what they have to do. And and we're not the only program in the nation that does this, that brings in guys with problems. No, and I mean, these and, are teenage and, kids. And in that, reality, we we maybe do one a season. I mean, it's not like we're loading up half of our recruiting class every year with troubled guys and transfers. I mean, this is not last chance. You <laughs> <laughs> this it's one guy out of a roster of eighty five. So I, I don't see it being an issue. Uh, if anything, it helps these kids. You, I mean, you you see. Um, uh, Hatfield, who's tweeted out how grateful he was to the coaches that saved his life by giving him a second chance. And look where he is now. He's in the NFL. Well, I think a lot of times it just takes, sometimes it has to take someone to get out of the environment that they're in. Maybe the school that we're in, they need to get out of that circumstances to really grow as a person. Yeah. And a lot of these kids, they come from tough backgrounds and, and they're young. They're going to make mistakes. And if nobody gives them a second chance, they're going to, they're going to be worse off because they're going to get right back into situations that are, that are going to hurt them long term. This, this, this way you get surrounded by a program, by coaches, by mentors and peers who are going to strengthen them, build them up and help them. To, to grow into men and be responsible and uh, and be good citizens. And so at the end of the day, I have no problem with it. If uh, Kyle Whittingham's track record speaks for itself, and it wasn't as if Francis Bernard did some unspeakable things here, you know? He obviously, uh, we, we know what he did, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. He can come back from it, and uh, this is a good opportunity for him to kind of bounce back and 
make an, make a new name for him. All right. So I, again, some great news uh, coming out of camp with, with adding Francis Bernard and hopefully this can kind of help him uh, kind of turn that one mistake out of it, you know, in his life and, and move forward with football. You know, the other news coming out of camp is how well Huntley has been looking with us being up there. We've noticed too, that he seems a lot more composed in the pocket yeah. Yeah. and not so much happy feet. Again, I mean, it's not necessarily live football where he's going to get hit. And and I think that helps. I mean, you, you know, you're not going to get blindsided. You know, these guys are going to not hit you. And so just, just human nature, you're going to be able to just be more comfortable. But I mean, by all accounts, he's been getting praise from Troy Taylor, from Kyle, from, uh, from wide receivers, through interviews um, and just uh, the observations that we've been able to see up at up at up at uh, fall camp, Camp Kyle. I mean, he's looking good. He's kind of mastered this offense, which is what at times last year he struggled with in making proper decisions, whether it was in the um, read option um, or even in the passing game. And so, uh, getting a year. I mean, we we've kind of we kind of hound on this every year. Well, we have a new offensive coordinator. We're learning new offenses. Well, for the first time in a long time, we have a returning offense and a returning starter. And I think that's just that's what a lot of the country gets to deal with <laughs> most years. This is new to us, and and I, and I think we're going to see the the dividends come from that, and just him him getting more comfortable. Him understanding exactly what needs to be done, and obviously it's going to be important that the wide receivers are on the same page, and and some of the young young wideouts understanding that you know they've got options on every play, and that they're they're all seeing this, the same things. But I think I think Huntley's going to make a huge step forward this year, and he's got the weapons around him to do it, and not it does not have to all be on his shoulders. He does not need to run it twenty five times a game. And get every first down. He's got so many weapons around him. He just has to do his job, and he he he'll put up stats alone doing that. If, if he understands that, the team will be successful. Because um, you're right that there is there's there are, there are a lot of weapons. I think. I mean, I keep kind of going back to this when we were talking last last spring. We weren't sure where we were going to be at wide receiver as well, and and I think to some degree. Even though we knew, <laughs> heck, in in the spring we thought Bronson Boyd was going to be the number one target, and there may not even be anybody close to him. He's not even getting mentioned at this point. I know he's he hasn't been mentioned in a lot of people's top and, eight and, receivers. And, and he'll he'll get his opportunities, obviously. But it just goes to show what the best wide receiver in the world is up to these days. In Damari Simpkins, <laughs> um, Coc George Wilson Mariner. <laughs> Um, you know, and obviously the return of Britton Covey, but those, those three alone are going to get a majority of the catches this year. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be the main targets. And I mean, the fact that Bronson Boyd's probably not going to get a ton of opportunities. Um, Brian Thompson will probably get some opportunities, but it's, it, it, it it's, there's so many weapons there and how quickly yeah. things change from spring to fall. Yeah. And, you know, talking, talking about the quarterback position too i think we sat around this table and at least discussed the possibility that we knew huntley was good and we knew he was going to get better but we also know knew jack tuttle was coming and i think we all speculated that there was a possibility that no, was a just freshman <laughs> whatever <laughs> that a freshman would come in and and win the job and 
and I don't, and I think Huntley is clear cut steps ahead of the other two guys. As he should be. I mean, unless, you know, I mean, Tuttle, Tuttle is supposed to be this phenom, but he's right out of high school. He's learning the offense. I mean, Huntley should be, Huntley was a Gatorade player of the year in the state of Florida. Ton of talent. Give him a year in, in this system and another offseason, and yeah, he should be head and shoulders, and it, and it looks yeah. like he is, which is which is great news because we, all, in all honesty, I'm glad that we are not having to deal with what BYU is at the moment, potentially starting a freshman. What that does to your recruiting, what that does to, you know, well, even look at last year when it was you know a head-to-head race between Williams and Huntley, and having to split those reps with the first team. I mean, you, you're limited on how many reps you can take. And if you have to split that with someone else, that just takes away growth that you potentially could have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm excited. I, I think, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see the offense pretty potent. The type of offense that we've really been wanting <laughs> since the days of Urban Meyer, pre creep <laughs> Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good point, uh, Scott, because I know uh, Kyle McDonald even talked about that it, this year. He's loving that the older guys in the program are now teaching the younger guys the offense. And you can see that in practice, Huntley talking to his receivers, telling them what routes um, they should be should have ran or and things like that. And I think that's key to having an OC from the previous year and a system from the previous year. And hopefully that does translate into a more successful offense. Kind of jumping back to talking about the composure of Huntley. Um, if he maintains that composure once games begin and uses his weapons, he's going to stay healthy. And if he stays healthy... Well, I mean, we can't say he's going to. Well, I mean, he could take a blindside shot and he could... You're you know, right. Some fluky thing could happen. But yeah, if he runs point, as much as he did last year, the yes. chances are higher. And, right. limit, and limit the hitch, True. too. Exactly. Right? I think yeah. that's the key, is knowing when to go down, to take a slide, to get out of bounds, and knowing you've got Moss behind you, you do not need to be, in some ways... Um, Wilson and t- taking crazy dives and getting injured and, and, uh, yeah, don't take the unnecessary risk. Get what you can, get down, live to play another day, you know, because as much as I think we'd love to see what, what, uh, Tuttle can do, I'm not sure I, I want to be relying on Tuttle this year in any aspect because no, uh, you're going through growing pains all over again. This the season has the potential to be, I think, something special if everyone stays healthy. That's a big if because well, it's a it's a. But I, I'm not sure everyone has to stay healthy. Obviously, key guys like Huntley do, but and Moss probably too. To a, to sh- a to shines a, good. to an extent, and but I, you're so you're going to have injuries. This is this is big time football. You are going to lose some starters. You're going to lose some backups. And some guys are going to be lost for the season. Some guys are going to be out for a number of games. So it's going to happen. But the difference is the depth. The, we have never had this type of depth at Utah ever. And across the board. Ever. I mean, uh, Yogi Roth was in town visiting the team from the Pac-12 Networks. 
And he said, I went through and Kyle in the spring, I had a conversation with Kyle. This is Yogi talking here. That uh, Kyle said to him, we're finally there. We look just like everybody else. And the yogi said he wanted to come in spring and see it for himself. And he, as he went through each position group and saw them practice, he says they don't look any different than Stanford anymore, than USC, than UCLA. They have depth. They've got size. They've got length. They've got athleticism. Not just Speed. at the starting position, but one, two, even third string in a, in a lot of positions. So we just have not had. We've had some studs, and behind them, we've really just had Mountain West-type players for still a number of years. So that's where I see we're going to have some guys that are going to get injured, and other guys are going to have the opportunities to step up. And I'm pretty confident that we're going to just continue to see studs all over the field. So one guy that has been injured... Uh, Devonta Henry Cole, he's out for the for the remainder of the season. And we talk about how Moss has to stay healthy because and then you kind of get a little thin. But how do you guys think the running back quarter kind of looks now uh, with Devonta Henry Cole going down? I'm assuming we're going to see a lot more TJ Green than what we're expecting. I'm kind of excited yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not, I am too. I'm, it's too bad about Henry Cole because I think he's a, he's a great talent and, and it would be great to get him back when he's healthy. But... TJ Green came in with some high expectations about his quickness and his speed, and I'm kind of excited to see that. He's got he's got the speed of a McCormick, but he's got better size than McCormick had, and that that is that's going to be huge. And then you've got Shine. Granted, we really don't know what we have in Shine because it has been two years and two different injuries over those two years that have kept him out. So. Um, but by all accounts, he's looking the part, and um, you know, unless Moss goes down, I don't think we're ever going to require Shine to carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. He's going to probably be in the eight carries a game type of a deal, and and then Green is going to get probably a you know five to eight. I would I would assume. And uh, as things stand right now, I'm pretty confident, and I think the running back position's in great shape. Obviously, things can change if you get a number of injuries, but um, but running back position has not been one that uh, um, we've really had an issue with. And we haven't even talked about the freshman, Brumfield, from uh, Louisiana. Uh, he's been mentioned countless times by Kyle, by Troy Taylor, as a guy who's kind of opened some eyes, and so he may even get some, some, uh, some playing time and some opportunities as the season goes on. So the one thing I will add, just to kind of wrap that up on TJ Green, is that McDonald did say he got bigger over the summer, and he didn't lose any speed. Well, Moss got I, bigger and faster too. Have you seen him with his shirt off? I mean, I'm not trying to be a creep here, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> oh, he he honestly looks like he could kill someone with his pinky. He looks like he has shoulder pads naturally, without yeah. shoulder pads. It's and it's crazy, right dude. His lats and because he's not like he's not the tallest guy on the field, right? But uh, yeah, he's, he's a bus. He's one of the strongest ones out there. It's it's pretty gnarly. W- with that being said, what do you think? What do you think the ceiling is for Moss this year? Do you think he could get to eighteen hundred, fifteen hundred yards? Well, I think if he Huntley can, hands him the ball. I think he can. <laughs> I think he can get fifteen hundred easily. Yeah, I think Com- especially yeah. combined. I mean, uh, last year uh, he, running and and catching. Last year he had just over eleven hundred yards, 
And he kind of had a slow start. Yeah, very to the slow. Yeah, start. it took him a you few know, games it, it to really get really, that lights on. He didn't on. really come on and start garnering attention until USC when he just started plowing guys. And I mean, I remember the first three, four games of the season. We all were thinking, like, who is this? The same guy that we was so highly recruited that we've heard so much about. He just his physicality didn't seem, for whatever reason, did not seem to be there early in the season. Well, it just seems like he tried to dance yeah. and like juke guys out. And then once he figured out how powerful he really was and could just run people over, yeah, that's he when he just took off. Completely new back. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think he's you, from game one. Good luck, Weber Stay. You're going to see that mentality, and I think he's just going to pound people. And yeah, fingers crossed he can stay healthy. And uh, um, but I, I expect a big year from him. And just just the threat of him running the ball and getting um, the read option, what that's going to do for the rest of the offense, I think, will be huge. Well, they're going to have to leave linebackers and drop safeties in the box just just because he's on the field, and that's going to open up other things. Yeah, I mean, because last year we talked about how we, we, we didn't think the read option may have been the strength of the running game because when we went away from the read option and went more to some power sets, um, to the um, pistol. pistol, we started having a lot more success running the ball. But as the season went on, we were kind of able to to figure things out in that read option game. But I think I think that's going to be crucial moving forward is having all these options all over the field, the RPOs on top of it. You um, know what gonna, I'm looking forward keep, to? Keep them guessing. It's the pistol formation with the turnaround toss to the back. <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> could could we throw it out of that position? With Simpkins, back to the quarterback? He probably could. I'll bet you it's in the playbook like 12 times <laughs> in like 12 different formations. And somehow Covey's going to be involved in this. You're going to have Simpkins and Covey throw the ball in the same possession, I'll bet you at some point. All right, as we kind of move along um, through Camp Kyle uh, breakdown, we do want to let you know that we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home vehicle and family look to farmers insurance call scott omer at 801-307-4046 so kind of you know more news coming out of of camp kyle has been the offensive line so one thing that has me concerned is moving low falamaka from center to guard why does that concern you is is that a done deal or is that still just no? A, I no, think it's just experimenting. no. I, I really think they're just trying to get their the best five, the best five the out there and any mixture they can get. But it makes me nervous is because the center's your anchor on your offense, and especially on that line. You need experience and someone that's a veteran at the center position. And when we saw when Lowe got injured last year, there was a lot of issues, and so it, it but, worries but, me. But his backup to move his backup Paul Tuala. I mean, he's had reps. He's played the position. Um, he had opportunities last year, and so I, I don't think it's probably. I mean, I would I would prefer to have, keep low at center, but if it does create a better opportunity, move him out to a guard position. And uh, but is that a better opportunity for him or a better opportunity because no one else can do it? Uh, I think that's where my concern. Uh, no, I, is. I think at the end of the day, it's whatever's going to be whatever's going to make that unit better. So I think that's what they're concerned about the most is getting the five best guys on the field. What no matter what position they're playing, 
well, so let me let me just kind of break down what they've been doing. So Johnny Capra and Nick Ford have been playing all over the line. Lowe and Paul have been switching between center and guard. And then Paulo has been playing both guard and tackle. It concerns me that they're doing that much experimenting and they can't figure it out. Well, because that was to, to, uh, the offensive line. It was average at best last year, maybe even below average. And if they still can't figure it out, and we're two weeks out, but 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 we we also don't fully understand what they're doing at practice because it's it's. As they go through things, they're trying to build depth. They're trying to build a second unit as well. And, um, yeah, they're trying things out because what happens is you've got your five ready to go. Game two of the season, your center's out for the year. Your left tackle's out for the year. Injuries happen. You you have to have a plan and know what you can do, what certain guys are capable of doing. And that's what fall camp's all about. I mean, we, we see these little clips on come out on Twitter of of a play and everybody just jumps at it. Oh my goodness, what's going on here? D no pressure from the DNs. What are the wide receivers doing? But it's a practice. In practice, coaches are given they practice specific scenarios. They they practice specific I calls I know and, and that, those are 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 good points, okay? But when the University of Utah Athletic Department emails out, this is what we're doing on the O line, that makes me think this isn't more, this is more than just a scenario type thing. Okay. And it's more of they hot, don't know what, hot what take. was going on. Hot take. And I, and also, I, let me just say this. I know Jim Harding is a heck of a coach, you know and I'm not questioning his ability of coaching the O line at all or his ability to get the best guys out there, but it just concerns me that we're two weeks away and they're still experimenting. So, so let me ask you this. When was the last time Kyle Woodingham put information out there that was probably truthful and accurate? <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> it doesn't happen. If if they're putting out there that there's chaos on the no, offense. No, one said, there's chaos. no one said there's chaos. No one said there's chaos. Okay, I'm I'm exaggerating, but... As, to your point, to your point, there's they can't quite come up with things, so they're experimenting all over the board. If they're putting that out there, chances are they're probably putting it out there for a reason. It makes me almost think that they've got everything solidified and they are ready to go, and they're just putting fodder out there. They're just trying to, to make it sound like we don't know what's going on. We don't know if we're going to have five guys on opening night. Like... In in my opinion, hearing that Chase Hansen might be playing left tackle, <laughs> makes me makes me more comfortable. In all honesty, really, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't have any insider information, but I'm just saying, Kyle Winningham is not the type of coach that's going to go. Man, we're really struggling with this. Let's let's publish it. <laughs> hey, Liz. Write up an article how our O-line sucks. No, I'm, not <laughs> say, I'm not saying that the O-line sucks. Or, uh, no, I know I'm what not you're saying. saying. I know. You're, about I know anything you're like that. I'm not but, saying they're blowing up the O-line, that they don't know what they're doing. All I'm saying is that it does concern me that they're experimenting two weeks away and they're not 100% sure who the starting center is going to be, the, at least on the, the surface. The only thing, that, to your point, that would concern me is if in practice 
they haven't figured it out, which means you're not giving those five guys opportunities to, to get reps together and work out those kinks. That would be the only thing that concerns me. I tend to think they probably got it figured out by now, and those five are getting plenty of reps. And in a number of opportunities, yes, are they adjusting some things and saying, all right, now we want to see you slide out to this position and, and, and do it. And if that's the case, down the road, five, six games into the season when guys start to get hurt or banged up, that's only going to benefit them because everyone's played every position. Yeah. Well, it just helps build depth, and, and it helps Jim Harding know, okay, if we lose a guy, we lose two guys, we lose three guys, what are my options? Instead of having to figure it out in that week of practice, they already know what guys are capable of doing. And, I mean, I totally understand your point. I think it's valid, but I but I, I just don't trust that the program's going to put their faults out there and and publish them and and uh and make it a point of focus uh that's just my thought okay you've talked me off the edge uh, i'll admit it it. i i do like though that guys like nick ford are getting opportunities yeah i mean orlando amuna omana i don't know umana Umana. um you know sophomore and he's pushing Nick Ford, and so I think that's a good battle right there. I mean, we got a lot, we got a lot of depth on the O line position. Braden Daniels, a true freshman, is there, making some waves. Just, it's a lot of unproven depth, though, sure. right? Sure. And and like what I said, they were average at best last season. Uh, I, I know it's a position that I've kind of been harping on uh, for over a year now. So I'm, I'm, Jim Harding is a great coach. And we'll we'll see what he does. If it really is chaos, then Jim Harding will get fired. Well, he'll just tell Whittingham to f and fire him. (laughs) (laughs) So, unfortunately, the scrimmage this past weekend was closed to the media, so we didn't get to see it. But from reports from what Whittingham was saying, is Matt Gay made a 60-yard field goal? 62. 62. He was actually two for two over 60 yards. The field goal, the 62-yard field goals he hit. Taylor said that one of them would have been good from 70. That's that's impressive. It's a great well, weapon to have. The, I saw a video of the 62-yarder, and it was not a line drive. Really? It, it, had, was, it had some good height to it. Wow. So with Matt Gay hitting long field goals in practice, that obviously can be an asset during the season. But if we want to play devil's advocate, that could backfire if Witt relies on it too much. What do you guys think Witt about that? Witt rely too much on a field goal kicker? I know, right? That doesn't happen. No, you know, it's hard it, it's hard not to utilize. I mean, right now we have the be- we have the number one ranked special teams unit in the country. I mean, we've got a Ray Guy award winner, we got a Lou Groza award winner, and if Matt Gay's kicking 60-yard field goals and he's two for two in practice doing so, why would you not utilize that? The only problem was you kick a 60-yard field goal and you miss, you've you give given them a... incredible field position. Yeah, that's the downside. <laughs> you know, so maybe like at the end of a, ha- you know, going into halftime or something like that, those are good opportunities to take a shot, you know, if you don't leave any time on the clock. But um, I, I don't want to re- have to rely on that too much. In, in quite frankly, I don't want... Matt Gay or Mitch Wisnowski to be in the running to win these awards again. <laughs> I don't want to punt that much. I don't want to kick field goals that much. I want touchdowns. 
I think that's the that's the the biggest thing, right? Is that too many field goals in the red zone can be a bad thing for sure. When he's kicking sixty yarders, yeah, I mean, I think you want points as you can get them, and if you can get them at sixty yards out, go for it. And I think that's where is what you're saying, Scott, where kind of the danger zone is if you punt it or do you try it for a field goal when you're that far out? I mean, obviously, it's going to depend on the situation of the game. It's going to depend on how well the defense is playing. You know, so there's a lot of factors that are going to, that are going to be uh, put in play on that. But, yeah, uh, what I don't want to see is just us just default and lose our aggressiveness to just rely on a field goal kicker and get our three points is, you know, if, if we want to accomplish what this team has the ability to do, what even the coaching staff is talking about, how, you know, there may be something special here, you've got to score points. You, you've got to get in the end zone most of the time. And uh, that's been our downfall is we have relied too much on field goals in the past, and it's great to get them. But if you're getting three instead of seven too often, the game's going to be a lot closer and it's going to put more pressure on the defense and it's going to be tougher to, to go and win 10, 11, 12 games in a season. You've got to be able to have a consistent offense that's consistently getting into the, in the, into the red zone and scoring touchdowns once they get in there. But with that being said, it's a nice problem to have when you've got two guys with those abilities and I may I may be giving a little uh, n- next week is when we'll do kind of some uh, breakout players, um, Ryan's famous segment. But That's right, in in consideration for my breakout player of of the year is uh, a new player on the team by the name of Matty Golden. He is a new freshman scholarship long snapper. Long snapper was our weakness. Last year, we oh, had. Are you serious? <laughs> Don't make me. I will strangle you with my <laughs> microphone wire. Maddie Golden. It was highly recruited, and by all accounts, is getting the ball to Mitch quickly. Mitch has been raving about him, and uh, so I think that I think nobody's going to talk about it. We probably won't even notice it all that much. But if he's as good as advertised. I think that's huge to help Mitch in the punting game when we need to, and as well as so we don't have those issues where Matt Gay's having to take 12 steps and flinch 12 times before he kicks a field goal because it's a poor snap. Leave it to Scott for his breakout player to be a long snapper. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it was. I said it's he's in consideration, okay? And of all people who does not have the opportunity to uh, poke fun, Mr. <laughs> Marcus Williams, returning all Pac-12 players, your breakout player. He'll probably still pick Marcus Williams this year. He's going into his second year in the league. He let me down last year in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, kickers, kickers and long snappers need love, too. <laughs> and with a name like Maddie, you better be good. Just to kind of finish up the special teams, uh, our friends at uh, 12-Pack Radio did a feature on Mitch Wisnowski that was really, really good. So check them out. I'll have the link in the show notes, but you can find them on Twitter at uh, 12-Pack Radio. So we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Final thoughts on Camp Kyle thus far, guys. I'm just excited. It's 
finally, well, it's not finally here. It's almost here. But uh, I I love it. I think it, there's been a couple of injuries, but overall, it seems like everyone's staying healthy. Um, just can't wait for two weeks, almost two weeks yeah. away. I mean, we really haven't even talked about the secondary and the depth at the corner position, at the safety position. I, I just think this uh, this defense, we're used to seeing solid, strong defenses year after year, but I think this is going to be one that's going to turn some turn some eyes a little bit. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to get after the quarterback. We're gonna have a secondary that's gonna give the defensive line more time to get to the quarterback as they as they provide better coverage and uh, you you combine that with the special teams that we have and the offense that I think is going to take a huge step and our depth across the line I I'm pretty excited I th- I think we've got an opportunity granted it's time that the Utes actually get the job done instead of everybody talking and hoping about it but I think they've they've got the opportunity to to and they've got the team regardless of the schedule. The schedule's tough, um, and it's not in, in Utah's favor to win the South with the difficulty that they have what versus a better time USC. To do it, though, but that schedule exactly in Arizona. But but you got the team. Just go do it. Just take care of business. So I think my last thoughts about camp, but from what we've seen and watched and and things we've also uh, heard uh, from reports coming out of there, I really like that. Not one side of the ball has been dominating this fall. Some days the offense outplays the defense. The next day the defense outplays the offense. I really like that. It kind of seems in years past it's always been the defense has kind of been the one that's really ran the camp. And so it's really nice to really see the offense now start battling with the defense for uh, best positions for the day. The offense has finally stepped up and say, don't make us come get you. With that being said, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can always catch us on your favorite podcaster, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. All right, you can always find us at our home at UtahManPodcast.com. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayak. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. I'm just looking at the roster here, and I'm seeing number 81 freshman out of Skyline, Yoti Kerahalios. With a name like that, how could we lose a game? (laughs) Who is this guy? He's a wide receiver. We're good. He played for Skyline. He must be yeah. a winner. Hey, but he was fly. Recru- he was, fly. He was- He'll listen. We're Greek friends. <laughs> <laughs>